0: We'll come up with he and rod p brought to you by bud light on the horn
1: i woke up to the morning sky first
2: oh yes sir and yes ma'am that morning sky includes what is this wet stuff coming out of the clouds this morning unbelievable in austin texas didn't know that was still possible on the 13th of September, but uh, it is. And we appreciate you being there. Off we go. Five hours, five days a week on Austin's Only Local Morning Sports Conversation. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby, and we appreciate you being there. ever you're finding us on uh, what looks to be a wet Wednesday morning, uh, you can find us on 1019 on AM 1260. Of course, always digitally on our Horn app. You can take this wherever you go. Just download it to your smartphone. And uh, listen to us wherever you are in the world. Also find us on our website, hornfm.com. The Twitch page is up and running. You can watch the program also on our YouTube channel at The Horn Austin. On this, the 13th of September, midweek. Get you up over that hump and into another big college football and pro football weekend. We've got uh, the AL West pennant race tightening in Major League Baseball. Got all kinds of stuff to dive into to start the morning and all through the morning here on Ian Rod B and look who it is across the desk, the shutdown corner of ours holding down his side of the field five hours a day, five days a week from DB High here in the down in the seven one three DBU right here in the 512, four stops in different NFL zip codes as well and now. A uh, lifetime Longhorn and football theorist who brings it to you every single morning. Wore jersey number 21 in your program, but always number one in your heart. What's up, Rod Babers?
1: Uh, appreciate the intro as always. And, uh, yeah, man, getting excited because i uh, got another great football weekend coming up. And, you know, it's... Uh Hump Day, so it's time to get over the hill, headed downhill to the weekend. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. But before we do that, let me give a shout-out to all those who uh, choose to serve. Our salute to those who serve, whether it be God, country, or community. We appreciate you, our society, built on the selflessness of service. So whether that be uh, offices of the law, whether you're talking about nurses, teachers, soldiers, uh, first responders, waste management, you know who you are, and we appreciate you. I want to let you know this morning. We know you're up early with us, so we appreciate you appreciate all of uh your work it's an honor but also a burden to serve
2: a burden to serve absolutely and appreciate you doing that uh without a doubt across the board all the platforms there and everyone who gets up and gets out and goes uh rises and grinds like mm-hmm. uh you do each and every morning each and every day across uh, the great state and is it still raining across the world
1: did it stop raining uh I mean, don't, did, it's was it do raining no, it it was, was, oh no it raining on my way it, in it was a little breezy and cool when i was yeah, driving in it was an hour or so
2: ago and I, now it's uh and they say it's about a 60% chance of rain here in the area by 7 o'clock this morning. So, yeah, was, there's, a, there's yes, some clouds moving in.
1: I don't know if it still is, but it was just raining as I walked out of – I was literally, as soon as I walked out of the house and got in the car, it started raining. It rained my entire drive nice. to the office, and it was raining when I walked in. So, hopefully, still got some of those sprinkles. I started to stand outside like Andy Dufresne and – uh Shawshank Redemption. Baby <laughs> <They laughs> yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah just like, ah, oh,
2: it's, it's only going to be 90 degrees today oh. for a high 88 tomorrow, 87, then 86 into the weekend, and a chance for rain each. looks like that uh, high-pressure dome is about to move on finally after the uh, searing summer and uh, maybe actually get some rest. There could actually be a soaking rain coming our oh, way here in the coming please. days. Yeah, soak, excellent please. like soaking rain, which... Oh. I don't know if our grass and the yard will, will know what to do, what to do <laughs> at that point. <laughs> what is this? What is happening?
1: Oh, that would be amazing. It Please would be.
2: do. It would be. It's been a we heck of a it. summer. Uh, heck of a summer. We have a lot to do, though. Appreciate you uh, launching with us this morning. We'll uh, get you caught up. Let's start with the news of the morning, uh, and then we'll uh, go from there with the conversations of the morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you the news. Yeah, accolades keep coming for Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers on Monday here in the Walter Camp National Offensive Player of the Week and the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week honors for his performance at Alabama this past Saturday. Yesterday was the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback Club and the Maxwell Player of the Week Club honoring him, Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award Player of the Week as well. That Texas win at Alabama certainly a hit with TV viewers. According to ESPN, 8.8 million people watch Texas defeat Bama across all their platforms. That makes it the most Watched regular season game on ESPN since 2015. That came before Disney Corp settled their blackout dispute with Spectrum Cable also as well. That ended Monday. This week, fourth-ranked Texas will look to keep that momentum going. They host 2-0 Wyoming at DKR. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian was clear earlier this week that his team has set a new bar. And it's time for leaders to maintain it. They set a new standard for what we're capable
1: of, which we talked about. And then how do we recreate and get to that standard and then try to exceed that standard to create another new standard? And So that's where the leadership kicks in. Like I, Again, I'm not trying to knock these guys down. I'm trying to point out areas for improvement so that we can we can keep growing as a team.
2: But that's where the real leaders step up. Game kicks at 7 and a layer on the Longhorn Network. We'll have our local pregame here on the Horn going live at 4.30. Speaking of huge audiences, according to ESPN, that Jets' 22-16 overtime win over Buffalo Monday night was the most watched Monday night football game ever on the network. More than 22.6 million viewers watched the week one matchup. Unfortunately, the Jets' worst fears were realized yesterday, an MRI confirming they have lost their starting quarterback Aaron Rodgers to the season-ending Achilles tear on the left leg. Uh, Jets coach Robert Sala gave his new starter Zach Wilson a strong endorsement yesterday, scoffed at those who believe their playoff hopes are ruined, but well, Wilson's first big test is coming this Sunday. He'll lead the Jets into Cowboys Stadium Sunday afternoon to face a ferocious Dallas defense that pitched a shutout in week one against that other New York team, and they sacked quarterback Daniel Jones seven times. Week two in the NFL kicks off tomorrow night. Eagles hosting Minnesota on Thursday night football. Major League Baseball, two and a half weeks left in the regular season. Texas Rangers taking care of business. Houston Astros are certainly not. In Toronto, Rangers belted the Blue Jays for a second straight night, 6-3. Corey Seager had three more hits. Robbie Grossman hit a big two-run homer. Max Scherzer tossed five and a third shutout innings, but left that game with a right triceps spasm, they're calling it. In Houston, meanwhile, the 99 loss, oh, 99 loss Oakland A's have rolled into Minute Maid Park and taken the first two games of their series with the first-place Astros. They beat Framber Valdez on Monday night. Last night, they jumped all over Justin Verlander and cruised to a 6-2 to two win. Astros have been held to two runs and nine hits by the AL's worst pitching staff. Houston now 37 and 37 on the year at home. Their AL West lead is down to one game over the Rangers, one and a half over Seattle, who beat the Angels last night. Tough loss for Round Rock yesterday afternoon at Dell Diamond. They fell to Vegas in the first game of that critical series, six to five. Two teams are now tied for first place in the Pacific Coast League second half standings. A terrible story developing out of the NBA. At an arraignment hearing yesterday, prosecutors in New York alleged Houston Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. inflicted serious injuries upon his girlfriend during an attack early Monday. That Those injuries include a fractured neck vertebrae and a deep cut above her right eye. The 23-year-old guard is facing felony charges of assault and strangulation in Manhattan.
0: Corn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn blowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight.
1: All right, so the Cowboys are getting ready for the Jets. And um, based on what we watched after Aaron Rodgers went down, and, oh, the reports are that the Jets are— in communication with different teams trying to find themselves, or with free agents trying to find themselves another quarterback, a backup quarterback. That was reported by uh, Diana Russini. Uh, so Diana Russini is reporting that the Jets have started to reach out to veteran free agent quarterbacks. So we don't know who's on that list. And there is a report that uh, like even Colin Kaepernick's people have tried oh, wow. to join the conversation. Yeah, that they've reached out. Not the Jets reached out, that – his people have reached out to the Jets. Isn't
0: he like 36 years old? Uh, I think if we I mean, all need to let that dream go. Game.
1: Yeah, we need to let that dream die. Yeah. It's it. You know, I think at this point it's dead. You can't stay out of the league that long and then come back and play yeah. the hardest but position this. in football. This is even aside from you know the conversation of was Colin Kaepernick, you know, could, could he have been a franchise quarterback in the league? I think we're, we're past that conversation. We don't even want to get back to it. <laughs> no, <laughs> he you're, got, you're he gonna, got br- benched.
2: you're going to bring somebody in, you're going to bring somebody who has played played last late, went to training training camp this
1: year. (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, Well, Um, we'll see. I mean, they they have to kick the tie. They need a backup quarterback anyhow.
1: You you need a backup quarterback, no doubt, because you're talking about last season. I mean, you had 21 teams relied on multiple starters. 13 teams played at least three different starting quarterbacks. You definitely need another quarterback in this league.
2: Well, of course, the, the immediate.
1: Especially playing the Cowboys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, then the
2: immediate rumors of Tom Brady. But, of course, you, as you pointed out yesterday, he's an owner, owner now of the Vegas
1: Raiders. I just don't know if there are some rules against it. It may not be, but maybe it's just considered a conflict. Maybe it's considered, you know, unseemly for a, an owner of another team to be playing. I don't know. I'm just well, saying. How about
2: this one, though, on the text line? It says, rumors are the Jets would trade for Matt Stafford. How about that? The uh, wow! Wouldn't that be interesting? The Rams, of course, beat the Seahawks to start the season. So mm. I don't know if they're be I Look, because
1: yeah, they need to be tanking. I said that earlier. I said the Rams should probably be tanking at this. Well, time. and they need draft <laughs> picks, and they're very yeah. they're they very should... cap heavy at the top and very young at the bottom. They should be tanking right now, man. Well, and
2: that look, nothing's gonna happen this week. I mean, they're, they're, now the no. Jets are probably gonna sign a backup quarterback. I mean, you're gonna bring in a of Joe Flacco type of player, maybe Colt McCoy, uh, to be a backup. Colt Qubi. might be the
1: best option. I this agree. Is...
2: I agree with I'm that. I'm
1: looking at this list. Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Josh Rosen, Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles, Kellen Mond, Bryce Perkins, Trevor Simeon, Danny Etling, You got to Ian Cole. Book, Matt Barkley, well, Brett Hundley. If
2: you're looking for just a backup and you're going to ride with Zach Wilson and see where it goes. Because, look, my, my strategy would be this. If I'm Joe Douglas, you know, your big offseason move, your your, your colossal offseason move to get Aaron Rodgers is now blown up. and uh, But your team is still really talented, and it's only week one. So, you know, you, you, I think you have to give Zach Wilson, who was the number two overall pick just two years ago, a chance.
1: Yep, I agree. See yep.
2: where he's at. How much more mature is he from year to year? How much did he learn from Aaron Rodgers? You know, because Aaron, unlike his time in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was around that facility a lot. He went to all the mini camps. He participated with that team. And if you saw Hard Knocks, he was a a very nice, uh, you know, leader and coach almost to Zach Wilson. So give him a chance. Uh, and he is a talented guy. He went number two overall for a reason. He's got some ability but has not shown the maturity and uh, just the knowledge of the game to to manage it. Uh, and then bring in a guy like Colt to be your backup member. Colt McCoy mm-hmm. ran the first team of the Cardinals all offseason. Yeah. He's not going like to be the starter. Not like he's not in good shape. Not no. like he's not uh, – Ready to go. Of course, they cut him right before camp. Uh, right because before he was
1: he was going to be too too competent at <laughs> too the position. Competent. They didn't need those. It was like, we're tanking. We need incompetence. And then, and then look, <laughs> if, if, if
2: the worst fears are realized on top of Aaron Rodgers, that all of a sudden, you know, Zach Wilson's not even close to being ready to handle this thing and he gives you no chance, well, then maybe – Long about end of September, into October. You because remember the trade deadline is October thirty first. Mm-hmm. So, and then you'd kind of know where the Rams are. You know, was that a, kind of an anomaly in Week One that they beat the Seahawks? We'll know more three, four games from now. Maybe a
1: Matt Stafford is available. That would huh? be wild. Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be wild. That would be right. Uh, but uh, exactly, it makes sense for the Rams because I think the Rams you know they need to be they need to be in tank mode a little bit i think just for long term right now it may be fun to pull some upsets but they don't have a roster that could be a championship contender especially not in that division with the 49ers you got to try to beat win that division first and the 49ers are Man, they are they are built to win for a, a while. They're built for some sustainable. This window is going to be open for the 49 Now they got Purdy. It's going to be open a little bit longer. We thought it would close, you know, once they were done with Jimmy Garoppolo. Couldn't figure out quarterback Trey Lance experiment fails. But now they got Purdy. Uh, window's open a little bit longer. So I think the Rams might need to, you know, take have the tankathon. Tankathon. It's time for the tankathon. Well,
2: they got their Super Bowl. They went all in. Yeah, F- and F- worse. Fm picks and all yeah. that. And now they're. But again, they look pretty dang good on on Sunday. They got these young guys stepping up, and they, they was it
1: was it uh, Puka Nakua, Puka Nakua, Puka, the wide Puka receiver, Nakua?
2: and what? Well, but again, I mean, the week one overreactions, good and bad. Let's, if if you're Joe Douglas, you have to bring in a veteran quarterback, uh, but then you have to kind of let this thing ride out a little bit, give Zach Wilson his opportunity, and. You know, you can still be in the mix in the playoff race by, by early
1: October. You need to make Oof. a bigger trade. I mean Wilson versus that Cowboys pass rush was maybe the best pass rush in the league. On well,
2: that offensive line for the Jets, which is a wreck anyhow. The Cowboys, I that's if you have, if you have be... the Cowboys defensive fantasy, they helped you I mean, out a lot last week, like 30 be points.
1: Yeah, it's It be could ugly. happen
2: again. But, yeah. well, you know Robert Sala's game plan is going to be to try to harass the Cowboys. And kind of like the other night, just let your defense keep you in it. And. You know, see if you can force some issues with Dak Prescott. Uh, that'll
1: be an intriguing game. Uh, yeah, be, yeah, I'm with you on that. That'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys try to approach it offensively because with Zach Wilson out there, and we'll get into it a little bit later on, Yeah, why do what Buffalo did? Why play high-risk football when you could just play low-risk football and beat that team because Zach Wilson ain't going to beat you. The only thing really you could do is beat yourself. And this is what That's this, what is Josh Allen did. Want, Josh right? Allen beat himself. He, this is what the Cowboys want
2: right yeah. now from Dak Prescott, too, in their offense. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, this, this is everything that uh, Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, that's why they separated. And Run the Rock. Know, Cowboys want to go back to last year when Cooper Rush took over for an injured Dak Prescott and went 4-1, and one, and they played low-risk football, let their defense win them games. I'm still a little bit concerned about this rookie kicker of theirs. He missed an extra point the other night in New York, because uh, if you're going to play on those margins, we're going to try to win with defense and running the ball, and you know you know low risk football you got to make your field goals you got to make all the points right mm-hmm. when you get those opportunities so uh we'll see but that's uh, that's a fun game and man the big picture for me out of the NFL rod the TV numbers are staggering for college and pro football of the viewership if you want to know what's driving college football realignment and the consolidation of these conferences it's unbelievable I'll get you some numbers coming up uh here in a moment also more on the longhorns and uh how do they turn the page how do they move from uh, all of the uh accolades the, that the are coming poison? in and the, the rat, poison rat poison that's rolling as, in uh, and then forward and turn mix their attention to, it. to a two and oh wyoming team who already owns a win over uh
1: Texas Tech and uh, the rest of their season. We'll talk more about that coming up. But first, Roz, going to tell you about my bookie. Uh, winning season, of course, is here. That means football season is here. So head on over to my bookie right now. They got lots of opportunities, lots of chances for you to win big. As a better, you demand perfection, and my bookie delivers. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash out system that gives you options to bet big and win big all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or you can let it ride for a chance at a much bigger payday. Join the MyBookie team for an entire season filled with odds boosts, free bets, and super contests. To get started, it's really simple. It's really easy. Go to MyBookie.ag right now and register for an account absolutely free. Free 99. That's the best price you're going to get. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, to grab a welcome bonus on the house. You know what that means. So use the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie casino. With my bookie, you're making money before you even place your first bet. You can bet anything, you can bet anytime, and you can bet anywhere as long as you're betting with my bookie. You're betting with the best.
2: Indeed, indeed. Yeah, the best. We mentioned the uh, most watched Monday night football game ever on Monday night, and uh, all the compelling. Storylines four plays in, and Darren Rogers is (laughs) out. He
1: only played four plays, and it was still the most watched. Well, because then everybody wanted
2: to stick around to see, you know, could we get a rule, you know, a a, a diagnosis of what happened? Would he come back? What's going to be the deal? And then, of course, the game turned into a heck of a game. And uh, we saw the end with the walk off punt return uh, for sure. But I thought this was interesting. In addition to the gangbuster TV ratings in, in pro football, how about uh, we mentioned in the headlines the long the Longhorn game with Bama was the most watched game ever on ESPN uh, in the network's history on a Saturday night. A week you know a regular season game on a Saturday night, uh, most watched game, and that that included the, the folks on Spectrum who couldn't watch it right uh, because Spectrum had not come to their agreement. Nebraska Colorado was was very close, mm-hmm. um, right behind it on Fox or in the middle of the day, and you just go across the board. Listen, it's most watched college football games week two, Rod. Texas-Bama at the top. Nebraska-Colorado with almost 9 million viewers. A&M-Miami, 4 million viewers on ABC. Iowa-Iowa State got 3.5 on Fox. Uh, UNLV-Michigan. How about this uh, on CBS? All the way at Cal played Auburn on ESPN that night. 2.2 2 million people tuned in on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't think there's a passion for this sport and this, this is what's driving the college realignment and these huge... This is what the the TV networks are, are the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain pushing all this because they want this programming, right? They want mm-hmm. the and it's not just audience Rod. it's captive audience it's people who are are into the game uh, yeah. so marketing you sell advertising uh this is this is a, a dying thing in in media to have captive audiences who watch in real time and you know appointment viewing uh this is this is really if you're looking for the reason of all of the uh the super four conferences and all that's happening the the Pac-12 about to disintegrate uh in the middle of what might be their best ever conference season right now with seven teams ranked right now uh doesn't matter the uh The leadership of the Pac-12 failed them when it came time to negotiate the right media rights deal. And so they're going to collapse when this season is over. But uh, that that viewership tells you everything you need to know. People care. Yeah, and that's how
1: you know that... You know George Klyovkov. He failed as a you know a oh, commissioner. There hugely. were there are there are assets in the Pac-12 that are viable, profitable. You know what I mean assets in this ever-changing entertainment ecosystem uh, and this uh, sports industrial complex and, and college football's uh, you know the the level of college football in it and because all those different a- assets we talked about you know USC uh, you know not Oregon everybody that left the the Pac-12. Uh, in Washington, I mean, they're 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 valuable, obviously, because they went and added value to other conferences, <laughs> and somehow you could not consolidate all that value. And you brought it up; it's about brand recognition, and you know that's, the texture says on The Dion effect is real, yeah, because Dion's a brand. Right. And it's it, strangely enough when you talk about adding these brands to the, these other already established conferences who are brands in themselves, the SEC and the Big Ten, and you see now the rebranding of the Big Twelve. Hell, Brad Yarmark wants to change the name of the Big Twelve because he wants to rebrand Anytime, it for sure. Yeah, this is all about combining brands and brand recognition because that's what's going to get people to that appointment viewing you talk about that captive audience you're talking about and there's not a lot of things in this new entertainment ecosystem where people will watch and it'll be a social agent that people will watch together yep. and they want to go on social media and then talk about what they're watching while it's happening in real time everything else we stream but sports news uh kind of disaster porn that they call it like just real time stuff like that anything real time we'll watch together Uh, presidential debates are probably in that discussion now too we we like Mm, politics election night night, that kind of stuff but there are only like four or five genres of entertainment news whatever that can really bring people like you talk about captive audience e to their tv sets and they can they can keep those eyeballs over a long period of time. Yeah. And that uh, that's why that's, these brands matter. That's why, hey, why do you think the Monday Night Football game was the most watched in years for uh, ESPN? Why? Because you had the brand of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> all right, and everybody wanted... That, that brand is well-known. My mom knows about Aaron Rodgers. She don't know a damn thing about the Jets, but she knows about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly, right? Because they were like, oh, let me see what's going on with this story that transcended oh, from the watched, sports page
2: to the front page. Then you watched Hard Knocks and got to know even more about that team, and all of a sudden, if you didn't carry you cared a little bit, uh, the kid from uh, Stephen F. Austin who returned the punt for a touchdown. He was one of the storylines, the the last storylines of that that five episode season. And was he going to make the team or not? And, and uh, then Xavier Gibson wins the game with a walk off. So yes, it's the drama, but it's also the appointment side. To your point about George Klyavkov, the failed commissioner of the Pac oh, twelve, you know disaster. When, the, the minute USC and, and UCLA announced they were moving to the Big Ten, which shocked the college football landscape you know the big 12 George Klyavkov had an opportunity to merge with the big 12. Brett mm-hmm. Yormark and the big 12 were desperate. And they felt like they were about to be the conference that was out. And they they went went to the you know the the Pac-12 like on their knee. Uh their knees. Hey, let's merge. Let's merge together. We'll we will we'll become the big 4 and the fourth conference and Klyavkov says, "No, no, 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 no. We're good. We're good here on the West Coast. We we don't need you uh you, you, middle the middle of America uh, schools yeah. that don't don't have high academics. Uh, they did the all high and mighty thing. He didn't think and, their and,
1: brand was strong enough, right?
2: And yeah. uh, here you go. Uh, and how would he do? <laughs> right. How would he do? And again, yeah. that's the 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 saddest part is this this May at the end, and in what is their final year? Because by twenty twenty four, we know USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten. The four schools are moving to the Big. I mean, it's going to be everything's moving by next year. This is the last one. This might be the best they've ever had. I mean, this might be their best conference year ever. With uh, all the ranked teams and all the quarterbacks, and they go seven, eight deep of really quality teams, including Deion Sanders for, and they only get that Dion brand for one more year, right? The
1: Deion effect, baby, it's real. None and think about this that. for
2: Colorado and Dion. We said it the morning it happened, but the morning that Colorado flipped and said we're out, uh, coming out of the Pac-12 meetings when no new media rights deal was offered, that was the first, That was the, the the string that was pulled. That when that happened, everything else fell right. That that was Colorado moving back to the Big Twelve was the first, you know, the the domino that moved everything. Because from that point, um, you know, everybody left in the Pac-12, put, you know, words on notice that, hey, we need a new deal now or else Mm -hmm. this thing's going to fall apart. But it was Colorado making that bold move. They were the first ones, and they went alone.
1: Were they the first ones that left the Big 12 too?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah They always the first they, they, one. They went they, <laughs> went. they went. They went on their own. Yeah.
1: did everybody else because because
2: I had been telling you and i had been hearing about the four corner schools in Arizona and Arizona State, Utah. Everybody was, but it was the Colorado Buffaloes and that that university that said no, we're going.
1: Well, they were losing so much money,
2: right? And and we're going on. Our, we don't need anyone. We don't need a partner. Yep. We're, the Big Twelve wants us. We want them. See y'all. And, and that, that began yep. everything we saw in that you know dramatic month of August. And, obviously, it led to the four corner schools following, you know, because the Pac-12 didn't secure a media rights deal that was going to appease the the rest. And uh, now we know that uh, Stanford and Cal, USMU, headed to the ACC. But, man, they're going to play some really good football this year in their final year. Mm. They are going to be the must-see TV conference, without a doubt, uh, with USC and Oregon. And uh, Washington's a really good team. And, obviously, Dion. And the Colorado Buffaloes. Ooh. So that's where we are. TVs are driving all of this. And your TV eyeballs, and as Rod said, and this texter says on the Specs text line, and that's just TVs, guys. How many fans are watching each of those televisions, right? I mean, that's something to consider, right? The, oh, yeah. No the, doubt. The metrics it, read, and the Nielsen ratings read, televisions.
1: Yeah. That's, Sets.
2: Well, how many eyeballs are on each one of those televisions? Whether they're in a sports bar, or they're at a house, or at a house party, uh, or wherever you are, right? And it's mm-hmm. not, not typically just one set of eyes.
1: No, you're right about that. I mean, that's, like I said, it's a social setting. They have figured out. They've done the research, and sports is one of the few things that we will watch live. Yeah, it's just what it's been proven it.
2: You won't come back and watch it later. You're not taping this thing and come in only those. Well, I'm look. the
1: freak. I do put for, for film study, but what? no, nobody else does.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> of the social media, you'll know the outcome. Yeah, it's not. There's it's no, no way to it. avoid
1: it. You lose all the drama. You lose all the yeah. You lose all of the suspense when you go on social media and they, they going over every detail of it on social media. That's right. All the plays, what happened, oh, all, all real the time. headlines. Yeah, you can't yeah. avoid it at all. So you got to watch it real time, and that's why it's so valuable and right we, now. And we, our current ecosystem of entertainment
2: and weekend one of the full the full gasm rod with all of it college and pro shows you the uh the largest watched monday night football game ever espn's largest so the appetite is growing appetite is only the appetite is growing
1: for, for the monster <laughs> all right we <laughs> come
2: back rod will take us uh, behind the boc we've got texas conversation how do they turn that page and move on from the uh the performance at alabama and as you just heard sark saying the headlines build on it the leaders setting a new bar on a day-by-day basis. Uh, turn that big win, huge win, into a special season for the Longhorns. Turn their attention to Wyoming. We'll do that on the other side. Also, the uh, the What the Facts segment right before the end of the hour. We'll get to all that on a busy Wednesday. Glad you're with us here on The Horn. It's Hook'Em Up with Ian Rodby.
0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Beavers, Hook'Em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The
2: Horn. Wednesday on the horn, yeah, that uh, rain coming down. Just heard uh, Don Miller say, dangerous conditions. Yeah. That, oh. what, what are these drivers in the HEX going to do when uh, they haven't seen rain in months and now they have to drive on it?
1: They Be were bad that. before that, though, <laughs> in the rain, bad. too. I love Austin. Well, they Austin freak drivers. out when it rains anytime, but they, they, especially exactly. when they haven't seen it in three months. They do. I love you guys, but I don't know why y'all can't drive in the rain. It's weird. And we
2: certainly haven't seen rain during a rush hour when we're full bore with uh, schools back in and you know, oh, full yes, traffic. Right. We haven't mm. seen that in a while. Yeah, it's not good. So like be it. careful out there. Please do just uh,
1: just uh, be, be be a courteous driver. That's all. You know, make sure you take care of your fellow citizens on the road.
2: We'll our, and give uh, a
1: courtesy wave, please. Give um, a courtesy
2: wave. Damn it. And what does it you say about road rage? Don't become a racist. Don't racist become a road ax- rage driver. Basically,
1: road rage turns people into accidental racists. We've all been there before. You profile people based on their cars, based on the way they drive, and then all of a sudden, you become kind of an accidental racist. Don't do that. Avoid accidental racism by avoiding road rage. So. Find a way. Patrick has the best idea about avoiding road rage. Great idea. He said basically instead of cussing somebody out uh, you know, and saying you know, nasty things to them, either out of your window or to yourself, do it in your favorite foreign accent, and then you'll just laugh at yourself, and then you'll feel silly and stupid. <laughs> like you should feel if you're cussing somebody out in traffic because they cut you off or whatever. So there you go. The yeah.
0: accidental racism is real, though, because I, I drove a Prius for a while. And yes. I, I would be going oh, yeah. 85 on the highway, and people would be still blowing by me, passing <laughs> me by, no respect. Oh yeah, we
2: we, we absolutely label Subaru drivers, yes. Prius drivers, Tesla drivers. I, I have a, I have a label for guy for people who drive dro- Dodge trucks. I mean, that is, that is I just do. I
0: bet. Am I? You know me? Am I a Prius guy? No, because there
1: are. You do not. You yeah. do not. No. If I saw you, I would not guess. That'd be the last yeah, car. Yeah, I Yeah. Imagine guess me drive.
2: picking a girl up in a Prius, and she's just like, you, "Is this a joke?" My my unscientific research has shown me that. People who drive drive Dodge trucks are the ones that block the left lane, the fast lane, more than any other vehicle that I know. Really? Owned. Yeah, Dodge trucks. I mean, you get to like if you're on 35 and you're trying to get to Dallas and there's this long lines of cars while I'm the left lane waiting to get kind of get around these semis. Almost always, it's a Dodge truck that's blocking the thing. I'll have yeah, to look out for
1: that. Yeah, no Dodge trucks. I uh, that's a guess. Dude's a good, I, I, Dodge trucks. I gotta tell you, to me, I, I love just the Tesla drivers. I don't know for some reason they seem to be some of the most annoying drivers on the road. Right? <laughs> I know you guys are great. I'm, I'm sure well, you guys sometimes are awesome. they
2: turn their car and let the computer
1: drive it. Right? Yeah, the I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I swear. swear.
0: Those self-driving cars that are all around what, campus? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen those, those. Oh, my God. Have you have seen I've not those? seen them. Have, I've seen
1: them on videos on social media. They're like,
0: everywhere. Really? They're everywhere. Are they
1: delivering stuff or picking people up?
0: Picking people up.
1: Wow.
0: Like, But they, they're not very good at driving.
1: <laughs> well, then, you know what? They mimic human behavior very well because <laughs> most humans are bad drivers. It's just the way it is. That's, that's a good conversation, though. Okay. So I got a, a couple of questions here for the Specs text line, and then we can get into the conversation, too. What... Because uh, E. Hogan opened up an uh, interesting uh, point here. What car do you think uh, the the worst drivers drive? <laughs>
2: Oh, the worst drivers. The,
1: you said it's Dodge Ram. Well, I, I say don't think they're
2: the worst drivers. They're just the most oblivious. Like, you're blocking traffic here. Can you move? Can you move? That's
1: bad driving. You got if a whole line of people. If you're blocking the left-hand lane and you're not the fastest drivers, it's for passing only, and you're not passing and you're not getting over, then that's uh, part of being a bad driver. Okay. That is one of the. And here's my question: because that leads me to. I think that people blocking the left-hand lane might be the most violated. Oh, Unofficial—it's uh, kind of the uh, kind of the unofficial rule, like <laughs> right. Is it, if you look at it in society, we have all these uh, different uh, society, uh, with these societal norms, things that are accepted, uh, and some things that are considered unacceptable. Not necessarily laws, the unofficial. Um, and I think out of all of those, kind of these unofficial social conventions, that the most violated is people. Sitting in the left-hand lane or driving slow in the left-hand lane. Yeah, out of all so of them, you but gotta have no fear of
0: getting pulled over. Probably if you're my in largest that left-hand lane. Yeah, largest it's, pet peeve.
1: Yeah, they, no, I agree with you.
2: It it's, says
1: uh, it's it a violated. It's the most violated social contract. That's the best way to do it. the most violated social contract. Yeah, we're in a team. We're
2: on a team here. Like just, you know, we're all together. Just just get <laughs> out. If you want to go that speed, that's fine. There's yeah. three other lanes for you to go that <laughs> speed, and the car next to you is going that speed. So just fall in behind Which them. means y'all
1: are blocking two lanes. Right, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, what are you doing? Just, just, just open the artery. Just, uh, uh, and, oh, You know what? And just signal when you try to get over. Also, one of the most violated of our unofficial social contracts is people who don't use that signal anymore. Maybe all of the most violated unofficial social contracts in our society are on the road.
2: Oh, yeah. Because that's where most we spend most of our time. Yes. Uh, we don't share much, a lot of time with people unless we're on the road and we're in our little vehicle well, there.
0: it's similar to being online where you can, you oh, yeah. can yell at someone or talk trash to someone well, feel a little bit safer because you're Chat in Chat your rooms.
2: Yeah, for sure, sure, for sure. Uh, all right. So this says definitely Nissan Altima. <laughs> well, the Altima is one of the most yeah, There's just a <laughs> lot of Altimas, Altimas <laughs> on the road, by the way. There's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> of Nissan Altimas on the road. Somebody said, hey, that's not a Dodge truck. That's a Ram truck. Those that's a right Ram. Right? Yeah, that's probably true. It uh, <laughs> says Tesla drivers are the new BMW yuppie drivers. Okay.
1: There you go. That's fair. I'm not I don't just so the people were just saying, uh, usually when there's an annoying driver on the road, most of the time it's a Tesla. Come on,
2: Dodge trucks. <laughs> Dodge Rams. Uh, be, be, be on the same team. Uh, you, Rod, I have a pet peeve of driving next to a person for an extended period of time. I either have to move ahead or I got to fall back. I can't describe it. be right beside somebody. i never see, a see, for see mile see after see mile. Yeah, so just just, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, how you doing? Hey, still there? Dude.
1: That's a good point, though.
2: I can't do it. That's awkward. I got to go. I got to go or I got to get around them. I can't just cruise next to them for miles <laughs> at a time. It's, it, it's unnerving to me. Oh, All that's right. a good one. Hey, we got the what the facts before the top of what the, the hour, including shame on the Astros. What the heck are they doing? Props to the Rangers. They're taking care of their business. The Astros are... Sleepwalking right now, and it may cost him big picture. We'll get to that coming up, but right now, time for some Texas football chatter behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind?
1: All right, now we'll get to um, some Wyoming. I'm, getting to, I'm starting to watch some Wyoming films, so we'll get to uh, Wyoming as the week progresses. Uh, still finishing up some of the Alabama uh, stats and some of the little nuggets from Alabama, but that'll lead us to our conversation about Wyoming, what Texas is going to do. I will say this. I think Texas will treat Wyoming like rice. Like they will basically empty uh, the roster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to see... I think they'll try to play as many guys as they can. I believe their goal will be, like the Rice game, to see Arch Manning. <laughs> right? For Arch Manning to get some snaps. I don't know if he'll be able to throw it because maybe you will be up big by then. I do think they'll. the goal is to see Arch. I mean, we didn't see him in the Rice game because and Coach, Coach Sark said, hey, I planned on playing Arch, but it didn't work out. Rice had a long drive. That yeah, nine-minute drive. They had a long drive. That long drive took up too much time, and then we didn't have enough time to play Arch. Well – because everything didn't go according to plan. Didn't have the first half offensively thought you were going to have. And then, as he just brought up, that nine-minute drive by Rice took a lot of time, ended up scoring a touchdown, their only touchdown of the game on that drive. So I do think if things go according to plan in this game versus Wyoming – they want to see Arch get some some meaningful snaps. And, you know, that's not going to blow his red shirt, obviously, because he still could play in four games and still not blow the red shirt. And I, I don't think they're going to get that to those four games because you're about to hit conference play here in, you know, second, unless you're blowing everybody out in conference play, which hey, maybe that's the case, but I don't know if you'll be doing that. Uh, you'll be playing your front-line starters most of the time. But getting back to the the Wyoming game plan, I will say this. Their quarterback is dealing with an injury. Ooh. Yeah. So he's day-to-day. Uh, that's aren't we all that's right uh, act accordingly. Uh, but he is uh, he's day to day. He's a running quarterback. He hurt Texas tech with a lot of the quarterback run game. And uh, as my man, Jerry Hamilton talked about on our longhorn live stream, you probably don't want to bring him back versus Texas considering <laughs> what they were able to do and uh, the pass rush and, you know, pressuring the quarterback versus Alabama. Um, but we'll see. He is day to day. They also uh, Wyoming to me, you know, I don't think they're necessarily that deep I do like their linebacking core, but I don't think they're that deep. I think Texas will be looking in this game to achieve two main goals. They want to play a lot of guys like they did in the Rice game, and I think Sark wants to run the football because he hasn't been satisfied with a consistent run game in either of the first two games. Correct. That's 100%. Because the first game against Rice, nobody liked the first half the way Texas, you know, the the inability to impose your will on Rice without a strategic uh, tactical or... You know, know, schematic advantage because we know they didn't really prep for rice in that way. But Sark said he was a little concerned. Uh, that they couldn't move Rice around, that they couldn't dominate the line of scrimmage versus Rice. So, as he talked about, they probably went real hard in practice before the Bama week, practice one-on-ones, good-on-good, uh, on good, and then we saw the result versus Alabama. Uh, but even in Alabama game, they weren't able to run the ball consistently until late in the game, wore Bama out, and they, they were able to seal the game with the run game. But they didn't run uh, the football consistently in the Bama game. As a matter of fact, Sark said that wasn't his plan. He said he didn't even think they could run the ball consistently versus Alabama. That's why the game plan was to throw the football to open up the run and to let these short, high-percentage quick passes be an extension of the running game. Just like I said you know, last week, they're not going to be able to run the ball versus Bama, and Sark agreed, great minds think alike. So in this game versus Wyoming, I think one of the main goals will be to infuse some confidence in the running game and try to get some consistency out of the run game. And I don't know C.J. Baxter, his health obviously is going to be a question. He's gotten hurt, uh, at least had an injury, I should say, in both – Games. Uh, had to leave the Alabama game a little bit early. Had to leave the Rice game. I think he was being helped off the field at the Alabama game, I think, this see the report. And he left the game early, uh, the Rice game, with an injury. Uh, so it would be interesting to see what the roles – I think he wants to define the roles of these running backs in the running game, but you can't do that if you don't have a consistent running game.
2: Yeah, well, um, and, and the Rice game, obviously, was they couldn't bully Rice. And you've talked about Wyoming having a really good set of linebackers. They do. Really good core linebackers yeah. that uh, – well, this should be if you're Sark. You're like, hey, this is a good test, guys. This is in Alabama, and they're a little bit better than Rice probably on defense. Let's go. At, let's see if we can hit them in the mouth and run the football here on a, on a night game. I'm not sure they're better cooler, than Rice actually on defense.
1: I'm not sure that. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm just not sure that overall they're better than Rice. Uh, and, and that's. I'm just saying as a defense. You know, remember we had um, who did we have on the show talking about Rice? The uh, the vent the quarterback from. I forget his name. I apologize. We got to get it back.
0: He went to Stony Point, though,
1: right? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. No, I don't know if it was Stony Point. I forget his he name. He played quarterback apologize. at a local He, high he played quarterback. Taylor McCard? Taylor McCart. Uh, Taylor, Taylor McCart. Taylor yes. Thank yeah. you very much. Taylor McCart. Okay, that's who it was. Um, I apologize, Taylor. Uh, I should have remembered your name. I like the name. But <laughs> he, uh, he came on. Remember, he said, uh, as a guy who follows Rice, as an analyst who follows Rice and went to Rice, he said he believed that... Uh, they, had, the Rice had the best defense of the Mike Bloomgren era, yeah. This year, and year six. mister thank you of, very much, Texan.
2: And you've talked about the head of the Rice game that they were recruiting at the best level that program ever has under Mike Bloomgren. They he, were? and it's year six, right? Mm-hmm. And for Rice, right? Rice recruiting. Let's not get crazy, but yeah, when you <laughs> exactly. when you hold on to a coach for that long and he gets to stack some recruiting classes at his level. Uh, that, that that you can be, good. but Wyoming, you know, Craig Ball's their coach, right? He, uh, we'll talk more about Wyoming as the week goes on. But I just remember you saying that their linebacker core is pretty darn good. So it is. I mean, if you're Sark, you use it as a test. Just let's go see if we can. We couldn't push bully Rice when when they knew we were running. Let's see if we can get better in our run game because, as we've said over and over again, you're gonna need that run game. You know, when you have an off night with Quinn. You got to play some bad weather down the road. You need the run game. You know you're going to have the defense. Or it appears you're going to have the defense week to week. The special teams can be on point, but you know that passing game can come and go sometimes. Yeah. And your quarterback can have an off day. But if you can establish the run, even with if, if it's a committee, this would be a good good time to start working on that and um, and showing that you can flex and. Uh, you know, pick up where you left off in the fourth quarter against Alabama.
1: Yep, no question about it. So I, I do – and this, the only thing – and we'll talk about this on the next uh, burnt orange, behind the burnt orange curtain. There is something that could throw off my prediction that Texas is going to try to establish the run and establish a a running a rushing identity or an identity in a running game, I should say. So we'll get to that in the behind the burnt orange curtain. But I'm going to give these uh, little nuggets about the Bama game since we're basically putting the final uh, – we're basically closing the chapter. Right <laughs> uh, on the Bama game, this probably today, and then we're going to move on to Wyoming and do a lot of prep for Wyoming tomorrow, and we'll have full preview and breakdown. Also, a little nugget, I, uh little sidebar. You know that Oscar Giles is on the coaching staff? Oh, Wyoming? I'm, I didn't know that. Yeah, Oscar Giles. Our uh, man, yeah. Lifetime Longhorn. Yeah, I heard that last night, and I was like, oh, I, forgot, I didn't think about that. Anyway. Um, let's get to these little nuggets. So Alabama, this is how dominant the Texas rush defense was in the final three quarters of that game. In the first quarter, Alabama was averaging over six yards per rush. Uh, they had 20, 25 rushes for 42 yards for the rest of the game after the first quarter. Yeah, <laughs> that was Alabama concerning was, in the first quarter. It was. Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah. as we
2: analyzed on the end game, was maybe they felt like they were standing up and worrying about the legs of the quarterback and not... They were staying enough. low and, yeah. and cutting it loose and getting after the run game, they were letting themselves get pushed around by that Bama because they were losing leverage. Once they shored that up and said, "Okay, we can handle Jalen Milrow," a spy with a spy, but we, which, spy, yeah. we, but we still got to go stuff this run because they were getting five six yards of carry as they you were. said, and they were pushing Texas. That ended after the first quarter. It did.
1: Uh, and bam, how about this little number? Average zero a zero point eight yards before contact. Dang. That Texas defensive front was stout. Uh so no question about it. also I love this little stat about Quinn Ewers. His time to throw 2.1 seconds. His average time to throw versus Alabama 2.1 seconds. That means that uh, that offense was operating on schedule. He was barely touched by the Alabama uh, the, uh, defensive front. Uh didn't I think um, fewer than 3 pressures, zero sacks of course. That that was probably as on time and on schedule, as we've seen Quinn Ewers in that offense, and as uh, Jerry Hamilton pointed out, you pointed out too. E, this is his. That was his twelfth game. That was that was a full season yeah. of games where he's been in this offense, and maybe that was his. Uh, I can say his butterfly moment, where you saw him go from caterpillar to butterfly. One more of the nugget too before uh, we get to uh, the break here. Hey, my man Jeff Howell told me about this. He's an offensive line guy, so he's always watching the offensive line. Hayden Connor, you remember the uh, the the jump, the offsides by Alabama to end the game yep. on fourth and two, I believe it was, something sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Go back and watch Hayden Connor, the left guard on that play. Shout out to my man Jeff How because he pointed it out to me and we talked about it on Lonehorn Blitz Podcast. He moves his right hand and like almost in a way as if he's about to grab something or he's stretching out his right hand. It's a very subtle movement. But it looks like it might have been what the Alabama defender was looking at that drew him off sides.
2: Yeah, and that obviously got you the first down. And, and it, yeah. a
1: knee. go go back and look at it. It's clear as day. They on the replay, it's really clear. They replay it, it's really clear. He's standing there, he's still, and then he just he he opens his hand and then makes a fist again. He goes my fist, opens his hand, makes a fist again, and it's crazy. It, and it's 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 when you re- go back and look at it, it is pretty obvious. But it might have been what the Alabama defender was looking at. When he like jumped off sides,
0: he does that without moving his body. He didn't at move all, his body though? at
1: all. It, it the body didn't move. So that's legal, right? I believe so. Yeah, because his body doesn't move. His helmet doesn't move. Nothing. It's just it's just his hand moves. It is a weird thing. Jeff Howe says he asked him about it. Was it intentional? Or unintentional? And Hayden Connor did not want to um, reveal give it away and reveal what it was. So. That yeah. makes me think it was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Right? If it was unintentional, you'd be like, oh, no, I didn't do that. I didn't ever do did that. He, yeah, he clenches his right hand, T-Bone. T-Bone started to, he clenches. And I don't know. Like I said, I, he, he, didn't, he didn't answer my man Jeff how whether it was intentional or not, and Jeff asked him about it, so out there, that, If it was intentional, though, that shows the players are now involved in the chess match within the game. That would be beautiful. Jade Barron actually admitted his interception. He baited the quarterback because they ran that play earlier. That's the chess match within the game. You know, Quinn, you was checking to that play, when I backed up that deep ball to A.D. Mitchell, that's him. That's checking. That's players themselves no, that's, uh, making those IQ. executive
2: decisions. Team IQ, football IQ. Yep. All right, we come back. It's the uh, just the facts on a Wednesday morning. There's your behind the burn orange curtain for the first time this morning. We'll come back with some facts of the day.
0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The Horn.
2: Careful out there, it's raining, if you can believe that, on this, the uh, 13th of September, Wednesday. we got a lot going on, it's our Just the Facts segment, including maybe my non-scientific theory that uh, Dodge Ram trucks are the biggest lane blockers. Mm. Maybe a fact here, Rod. Just says, I'm on I-95 headed to Austin. Guess who's holding up traffic in the fast lane? Dodge Ram. (laughs) LOL. Our man Helio on the text Mm. line says, after driving trash trucks for 10 years, I agree with Eve. Dodge Ram trucks. Worst Mm. drivers overall. Thank you, Helio. Come on, man. Verification. Verification. Uh, Also, in just the facts, you mentioned your Longhorn Blitz podcast. You do weekly uh, our podcast, the Eyes on Texas Multicast, is out this morning or yesterday evening from... uh, Myself and Mike Craven, all the highlights, all the recaps, Sark sound and and highlights. You want to relive the uh, the game at Alabama? We've got it for you. Eyes on Texas FB on Twitter is where you can find that a good episode about hour and fifteen minutes, and it does include Sark and highlights from the game at Tuscaloosa. That's Eyes on Texas FB. Rod, what do you have in just the facts on this? Uh, after, after that great uh, factual analysis from the Alabama game,
1: uh, there are um, only a few games. This week, week two of the NFL season, between 1 and 0 teams, only three Ooh. matchups between 1 0 teams Jets Cowboys. in week two. Jets Cowboys is one. 49ers Rams. And who would have thought is that another one. I know exactly. And oh no, another one. Another unlikely one. Packers Falcons. Yeah, yeah. The Falcons. Bijan. Yeah, Falcons over 500 for the first time in forever. It happened at, in uh, Atlanta in a while, so uh, only three matchups, and yes, one of them will be the Cowboys, uh, of teams who are 1-0 in week two of the NFL season.
2: No question, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'll do the baseball bit. Uh, shame on the Astros for sleepwalking last two go nights. Choose. I mean, uh, you mean, you got, you got Valdez and Verlander on the mound against a 99-loss A's team who's limping to the finish line, having one of the worst seasons in a long time, and they come into your building and you go to sleep and lose two games to that team? To the worst pitching staff in the American League, you've scored two runs in two nights, yeah. And your two best pitchers have gotten taken the L. Meanwhile, the Rangers handling their business. You know, if he hadn't missed forty games, Corey Seager would absolutely be an MVP candidate in the American League. He still should be. He Had another three hit night. Rangers have, have uh, stepped up. Those two wins at Toronto have gotten them into the wild card spot and just a game back of Houston. But uh, apparently, after the uh, game last night, Justin Verlander actually spoke to the locker room. You know they got to kick this in gear. There's still plenty of time to to rectify. But if you're counting factually, Rod, the Astros have 16 games to go. Mm-hmm. The Mariners have 17 games left. The Rangers have 18 games left, and still a lot can happen. And the Blue Jays are still in that mix too. But uh, shame on Houston. That is, if you're watching these games, but you got you you you're you're not even pressuring. There was an at bat last night, late in the eighth inning, when Framber Valdez on a three one count just watched a an 80 mile an hour hanging slider just just watched it and then struck out on the next pitch. I don't hmm. know what they're doing. And that this is the biggest <laughs> fact, Rod. They're 37 and 37 at home. Thirty nice. they're five hundred wow. team in Minute Maid Park.
1: That's that's wild.
2: I mean, there's they're seventeen or eighteen games over five hundred on the road, obviously. Hmm. Yet they're they're an average baseball team in their own ballpark. Um, that is not signs of defending your championship right now if you don't fix that problem.
1: That's a crazy fact. I didn't realize that. Yeah. A five hundred team. Yeah, I, so I, They play I down to that. their
2: competition at Minute for whatever reason. Is it just
1: because they relax? I don't know. At the, at the house? They're just Indeed. not, you know, you don't we'll see.
2: Well, let the uh, texters give their theories. I don't mm. know the answer, but they're really good on the road.
1: Maybe they're too lackadaisical at home. Yeah, it seems. Well, when you watch it, it kind of feels like it. Mm-hmm. On the road, they feel like us against the world. Yeah, they're up taking the those booze and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 maybe they like being the villain now. And they're on the road. They're the villain. Remember, they've been the villain now in baseball well, they're for, still hated. for like th- two, two, three years now. So maybe they're now psychologically at their best when they're the villain. They're the villain on the road at home. They're loved. And that's not really what gets them, you know, motivated anymore,
2: being being loved. They, they did that already. Well These two nights, if you're watching, I know everybody's watching the Jets game on Monday night, but I always keep an eye on the Astros game, and they're just they're not even taking good at bats right now.
1: Can I give you a one stat before we get out of here? For sure. The last two seasons were week one. Of the NFL, only had a single game where both teams scored more than 21 points. This past week one, only happened. The Chargers lost uh, to the Dolphins, 36-34. 2008 was the last time it happened. The Chargers also a part of that game. They lost 26-24 at home to the Panthers. See, Chargers
2: involved in that. Deep dive, weird deja vu, man. Hey, we're back. Hour two of our five hours daily here on Ian Rod V Rise and Grind with us. Hook them up. Coming back.